that's true of the clitoris, and that's true of the laptop. That you have to find a big red button to make the, it work correctly? The button makes it work, man. The big, giant red button. Well, that's what I'm looking for. are not big, giant red buttons, but I get your points. I mean, if you pump it, if you pump mm-hmm. that clit, pump, pump the clit. Kathy, pump the clit, pump the clit, pump, pump the clit. It seems like we do that type of jingle almost every other show. It does. Like you, you have a knack for finding really uh, disgusting and bizarre phrases that you then put to music. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that is the show. <laughs> and here is another one of those jingles right here. The following show is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. And if you don't like it, please go fuck yourself. One, two, three, four. Do you feel your sex life is quite lame? Scared that your desires might be strange? Come and join the kinky world of play. Hello and welcome to the Perverted Podcast, the show where we explore the adventures of the kinky lifestyle, sex, and the human mind. Recording live through Zencaster and through Boogie's impotent laptop, I'm Kathy. <laughs> I am Count Boogie, <laughs> and I was so optimistic for the laptop from Bakura and Delilah, and it works perfectly. Your signal is great, but mine's a little, I don't know, maybe there's a setting in there I gotta figure out. I'll so. bet you there's a setting. There's a big red button like your big pumped red clitoris, Kathy. I would never pump my clitoris. For some reason, that just sounds horrible to me. I would never want to do it. You've never you've never pumped your junk? No. I mean, do they make clitoral yes. pumps? I thought it was just for penises. No, 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 no. Well, what, some had... kind of kinky person I am. Yeah, Jesus, wake up and smell the vulva cover. Oh Hello. Yeah, they have vulva-shaped the suction cups, just like the ones they use for cupping for the back or the ones they use for penis pumps. They also have kind of vulva-shaped ones that fit over the entirety. those are for your whole vulva, not for your, specifically for your clitoris. Well, technically, you can use, like, the cupping sets that you get for the just the regular uh, cupping that they use on backs and legs to blood circulate. You can put them on the clitoris. They have different sizes ones, and I've multiple times put them over the clitoris and bumped just the clitoris. And it creates quite a sensation there, Kathy. Hmm, interesting. Quite an- Well, I would have to find someone who's actually interested in looking and playing with my genitalia. I could lend you some cups, and you could try it on yourself. Not an easy thing to do. You could do it on yourself. You just—I mean, the the cup fits in the end of the pump, and it's like a little squeezy pump, and you just put it over there and go. Yeah, just doing it myself just seems like like I want to share it with somebody. <laughs> you know, I want to <laughs> share my vulva with others. <laughs> my engorged and inflated clitoris needs to be <laughs> shared with the world. The world must see. Hello, puffy vagina. How are you today, puffy vagina? Well, get. What about Creative Explorer? Doesn't he? he he's not into that, or you haven't asked. Not, not. I'm telling you that to Creative Explorer, my vulva is only important to him in the two seconds it takes for him to get his penis inside of me, and then he forgets all about it. He has <laughs> zero interest in any part of it. 
It's as long as he can navigate the outside long enough to slip in the crater. There you then go. Mm-hmm. That's about that's about it. That's it, man. But I mean, you. it could. I, well, here, okay. Now I'm working the the angle. Always the know, angle with you. Well, that's what I do. Now <laughs> then, we know that he is into all the like dominance and you know making things, you know, control and cuffs and collars. Maybe it could be kind of worded like, oh, do you want to do vagina pump control clit thing? Suction on my clit dominance? Right. No? I don't think so. I, I'd, I'd try it, yeah, but I, I honestly don't think that's where his kink lies. Pervertedpodcast at gmail.com <laughs> if you are somebody that would like to help Kathy engorge her clitoris. If you want to see my puffy vulva. <laughs> I got the pumps. Kathy's the chump. Let's make this happen. That's hilarious. Let's make it happen, Kathy. So did you have any other normal creative explorer favoring sex this week? Well, he, he switched it up a bit, and this time... Uh, tied me chained me spread eagle to the bed good and it's something i mean that's his one of his big kinks is he loves bondage and he just gets a kick out of the fact that i can't move around so that was a lot of fun and then he unchained my legs and fucked me in my least favorite position ever which is me on my back with you know (laughs) my legs in the air i hate legs to the sky well that's never a good position for a fat person (laughs) <laughs> particularly one with a huge stomach like mine. And so right, it, right. I love the way it feels, but it's also uncomfortable. And then I have to look the motherfucker in the face, which I'm not very comfortable <laughs> with. <laughs> we are so not intimate people. I, know. We are so, I cannot tell you how many people I know that you're like, Favorite position, doggy style, reverse cowgirl. Doggy style, reverse cowgirl. <laughs> reverse cowgirl, doggy style. Why? Uh-huh. Why do you like that so much? Some people are in denial and say, oh, I just like the way it feels. The uh-uh. other 99% <laughs> who want to be honest are like, I don't want to look at that motherfucker's face. <laughs> exactly. You make eye contact actually... and they're like petting your hair. I love you deeply. <laughs> I'm having a spiritual connection with you right now. I like how we match our breathing while I thrust in. Jesus, fucking creepy ass children of the corn Christ. Oh my god! Don't look at me. <laughs> Blindfold girl, me, like, please. <laughs> I've had girls literally like do that. I'm looking into your soul thing, and you're like, yeah, yeah. I know it's it is really uncomfortable, and I don't know why. And I think it's equally as uncomfortable for him because he'll look down on me, and after a few seconds, he'll close his eyes, and I'm like, I think he's closing <laughs> his eyes so that he doesn't have to look at me. I don't think he's enjoying himself. I think he just doesn't want to look at me. <laughs> I mean, sometimes there are times now, don't get me wrong. I'm not completely callous and without a desire to connect with a partner. I don't mind a little bit every now and again. Like sometimes you go like all pussy vanilla and you're just, you know, you're, you feel attached to the person you're with. <laughs> I know it sounds weird. Sounds totally <laughs> weird, but it happens. And then maybe a little eye contact and a couple little kisses and a couple little I love yous, depending on the level of your intimacy and your relationship, is kind of nice. But like a little, little, keyword little, 
No, I I totally agree. I mean, he's he's not a romantic guy, but he'll he'll just look at me sometimes and go, "You are so adorable," and I am like, you know, and I blush and everything. But he doesn't like to kiss. He doesn't look oh. longingly into my eyes. He's he's just not <laughs> like that. And the other, like actually, a few weeks ago, I'm like, you know, I know that you don't really like kissing, but at some point, we, we just stopped doing it all together. Even though I, before I used to ask him, I said, I'd say right. like, I want to kiss, you know, I, I, right. I, I had asked yeah. him at first, does it actually disgust you? Is it something you don't want to do? He goes, no, I'm just, I'm just neutral about it. So I started asking him for kisses and he was totally fine giving them to me, but he doesn't know how to kiss. And I know that sounds weird, uh. but he <laughs> I literally get it. No, I get it. doesn't know how, he doesn't know how to pucker up. He basically just <laughs> bumps lips with me. And, and so a few weeks He's just ago, like I, the robot that the wind up robot that just bumps exactly. into the wall over yes. and over. That's uh, him uh, exactly uh, when he's kissing uh, me. And so I asked him a few weeks ago, hey, I, you know, I want another kiss. And so he re- he remembered just like I did that we used to do it more often. So he's been doing it a lot le- lately and, and trying to put an effort into it, which I really appreciate. But I have to say the. Fucking me while he's on top was uh, a bridge too far. I'm like, I I want to be romantic, but I'm just not. You know what? He's trying to over he's trying to overstimulate that desire, so that way you'll never ask for it again. Now he's he's actually not that devious. He's devious in other ways, but oh, okay. not that way, yeah. <laughs> All right, shall we begin? Oh well, wait a minute! Don't you wait. have stuff to discuss? I, well. I do by proxy. Uh-oh. I I now um I have been officially asked um to share a mew potato mayhem. Mm? That is not necessarily sexual, but it was <laughs> it was uh, funny, Kathy. Poor it Mew. So Mew's in med school, right? So she's doing doctorly med school learny learny stuff, right? Right. So she has to do, she's learning exams and she learns how to do exams and you learn how to palpate for things and look for swollen lymph nodes and this, that, and the proper breathing and obstructions. And, you know, she's got a billion of these things she's going to have to learn over the next few years. So this was one and, and she gets real nervous about it, you know, but so she practices on her friends and her partners and stuff like that. And that's what you do. You, you practice and practice and practice. And then you learn all the things you're supposed to do. And then you go in for the test. Now, then in this one test, she always has females. So she just assumes that she's going to get a female. And for the first time, she gets a dude, right? <gasps> An older dude. Which, by the way, Kathy, this is the job. I don't know if this is a job for me, but do you know, it wasn't in this case, but do you know, because eventually they're going to have to learn how to give rectal exams. Right. You, well, who do they do that on? Gee, I wonder, old guys. Who do they do? They have to do that on assholes. There is a job, a specific job that they pay you the people that do these examples she looked up some of it i go you got to find this all out for me but there is a specific genre of a medical i guess you're like a medical guinea pig whatever person and you literally go to med school after med school after med school and you let people poke and prod you so they can learn how to do it Uh there is specifically one for genital exams 
genital and anal exams. So there are guys out there that their entire career is going to med schools and letting people put their finger up their ass. I don't think it's their entire career. It is. That is the job. There's a name. She's looking up the name for it. She has to ask a professor, but they talked about it and they're like, yeah, there's a, there's a group because they know what to ask for. They know how to, you know, talk to the student and there's things that they're supposed to be looking for. So they can say no, yes, no, yes, no, poke it harder. You haven't fucking milked me yet. Grab that fucking thing, bitch. Whatever the fuck they say. I was going to say, amongst these group of men, there must be many of them who have an anal fetish. I'm going to say, how can you not? <laughs> how can you? like? And, and, and of course, Muse, like, you know, asking some of the second and third year students, he's also, do these guys get hard or something? And they're like, I don't know. We don't look. They're draped <laughs> and whatever. But how can you be like, huh, going down the job descriptions, you're all janitorial. IT, customer service representative, finger up the asshole 175 times a month. Oh, what does that pay? Let's see. Uh, better yeah. pay. Yeah. Maybe I can do that. And then you have to be all professional. I can't imagine you being like, well, you know, it's nothing that I'm really into, but it is a job. And I know it's for the no. good of medicine. Oh, right. No. These guys are into it. These guys are totally like, you know, they have like little, you know, under their like dress shirt, they got like a leather harness, you know, they're like in there, Ew. they're ready to go. Poor Mew. That wasn't this story. So she'll get to that one and that'll be incredible too. But so she gets a guy in this one and it flusters her because like for doing, you know, checks on boobs and stuff, you ask the woman, can you please lift your breast? And, you know, and she'll go over the sports bra and she has like a whole thing to do checks on women. But like, you know, the guy had fleshy man boobs and she didn't know what she was supposed to ask him. And right. later he's like, you tell me to lift the skin. And she's all, oh, OK. <laughs> she's all, hey, can you move your flappy fucking man titty? You fucking hack. Maybe oh cut down God. on the chili dogs. No, that would be what you would say. <laughs> That's why I would not make a good doctor, Kathy. I would not make a good doctor at all. So um, so then there's this other part of the test where they're like, you know, there's lymph nodes in the groin area, like in the V of the groin where the leg connects to the pelvic region, right? And, uh -huh. uh, and so there's a lot of lymph nodes up there that you – are supposed to ask if you can check and they prep her by saying, Oh, they'll always say no, but you ask. So, so she goes in and she's all, Oh, can I do this? Uh, you know, this check in your groin area. And the guy totally goes, yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, Oh my God, daddy, fucking daddy. She's all, I went in there and I didn't know what to do. And I was totally flustered. But I saw, you know, the videos and whatever on how to do it. And so I kind of go in there and she like runs her face. She's all and it's sweaty. And she's like, I wanted to vomit. I thought I was going to puke in the mask. And it was awful. She oh was just God. going on and on and on about how it was like. And then I didn't know what to do. 
Oh my god! <laughs> sure, go ahead. Play with my I junk. <laughs> As if the guy would say no. That's like a, I'm a professional. I get paid for this. I'm going to pay for some cute, you know, med student to fucking play near my junk. Oh sure. Well, what am I going to say? No. <laughs> oh, oh the god. things that poor girl has to go through. She's all you tell them that on potato mayhem. I go, <laughs> I will, pumpkin. I'll tell, I'll tell them you're suffering to be a doctor. She's all, I should work in forensics with Path Girl. <laughs> Chop up dead people. They don't sweat as much. Holly is great. Holly is hard. Holly is sexy. Fucking hard. I need some Holly sanity. We have a letter from Jess. Uh, we haven't done a polysanity. Uh, we don't do it that often. So I'm glad that we're getting back into it uh, because for whatever reason, polysanity and, and kink really overlap one another. And a lot of kinky people are also polyamorous. So Jess writes to us and says, I frequently listen to your podcast and I love the wisdom and advice Boogie, Kathy and others share on your episodes. I have been in the poly lifestyle for about three years now with three very loving relationships that have developed and blossomed. I cherish my girlfriends and my master very much. I am a somewhat assertive female with a very high sex drive. And during each of my relationships NRE phases, sex was exciting, spontaneous, abundant, and absolutely wonderful. Sex was an important part of the relationship for both me as well as my partners. However, as things got comfortable, I have learned that I am dating three people with very low sex drives, but mine is still sky high. My partners tell me they think that I am sexy and they still find me attractive, but they just don't value sex as high as a priority as I do. Being that I am poly and we are compatible in so many other ways, it doesn't seem necessary and it seems a dick move to break up with someone I love just because I'm not getting my sexual needs met. So what do I do? I feel like such a shallow whiner when I'm dating awesome individuals who love and care for me so much and are so supportive of me. I know this is my issue and not any of their problem to fix. I have tried masturbation and I do it often. It takes the edge off temporarily, but in the end, I'm left feeling empty because that void of human intimacy and touch has not been satisfied. I am almost sexually starving at this point and I don't know what to do Please help me, PP. I run. Got so run! much to say about this. I'm just gonna let you go first. Run! Are you sure you want to go? Because I swear to God, we'll bring out the dog like we did last week. <laughs> now, we'll Don't bring, bring out I, the dog. Bring out the goddamn dog. Which, by the way, that has given me nothing but joy for the last week <laughs> thinking about that. That just thinking uh, about you going after with your spike goddamn collar. I want to. All right. Who's first, going first off, fir- first off, um, to the poster. Please do not humiliate yourself, and do not humiliate the entirety of human sexuality by invalidating the fact that you are a sexual being and that you have sexual needs, because that is some archaic religious programming bullshit oh my god yeah don't Uh, don't do that oh yeah your sexuality and your level of horniness is absolutely fair and wonderful and natural to you oh so i'm not gonna 
I, yeah, I'm not going to talk about, you know, I mean, we're going to get a little bit into, you know, some discussions about what to do and what may work and what may not work. But in general, first order of business, you are not a bad person for being horny, even if you're in a relationship with people that are not horny. Uh, I totally agree with you. I She is not a shallow whiner, as she says, you know. Sexual gratification, it's a huge part of intimate relationships. And, and if her needs aren't being met, there can be many reasons and solutions, but I'm shallow for even wanting it in the first place is not one of them. No. Mm-mm. No, absolutely not. I mean, to, I mean, I can be real quick about this on my point of view. And once again, you have an established relationship with these three different lovers They've identified that they're not high sex, even though they kind of were in the beginning, which makes me question some other things that I'll get to in a little bit. But here's the reality for me. I don't need non-sexual plutonic relationships. I don't have a need. What you have there is called a buddy. And you can have best friends. Leah Spencer and I have never fucked. Not that I wouldn't fuck her, but we've never fucked. And we're great friends. That doesn't mean we have to be in a relationship together. You can have best friends. You can have people that love you and support you and support you in incredible intimate ways without being in a relationship with them and then limiting yourself to having your needs met. Does that make sense, Kathy? It, it does because I don't need fucking buddies. I don't well, need buddies that I mean, that's called a roommate. I love buddies. I, I get what you're saying. I love buddies. But if you're in an intimate relationship with someone, the sex better fucking be there because then they're not. A, it's not a sexual relationship. It's it's another kind of relationship. And that's it's a bet. You're like a best friend, which is fine. But that's not what you ex- all you expect from an intimate relationship. Yeah, it is. It is not a dick move to have your needs met sexually yeah. it is a very uh, important part of your health and and your sanity uh so totally, yes totally agree. so i i don't know i'm all like rah, 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 rah. Okay, no. okay just you know- just come back <laughs> there's here's the things you have to deal with if you're poly then obviously you have the ability to go find partners that have a high sex drive that can at least meet some of your needs there are probably other reasons that three individuals that were hot to trot are now not hot to trot. There may be other things there. They say they're still attracted to you, whatever, 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 but there may be something there. There may be things they're not attracted to. Maybe there's things, you know, maybe everyone stopped working at being sexual. Oh my God. And that, that does happen. And I, I thought the, I'm thinking the exact same thing as you, that there's something fishy there that, that does not sound right. Well, I mean, she says that sex was an important part of the relationship for her and her partners. And she also says that in the beginning, sex was plentiful. Right. If that's true, why did they change their story once, you know, that NRE was over and things got comfortable and say, well, we just don't value sex as high as a priority as you do. That makes no sense. Did their sex just suddenly drop out of them? I mean, there is no way that in a poly relationship with four people, everyone, things have deteriorated so badly. And the sex, the sexual contact has gone down so drastically that uh, Jess, our writer, would say that she is sexually starved. Even for someone with a high sex drive, there should be plenty of sex to go around. Instead, I agree with you. It sounds to me as if it's their sex drives that have waned 
whereas she's the one whose sex drive is remain constant. And it is not fucking cool to put it back on her and say, oops, must be something wrong with you. We're all fine. It would be truer and infinitely braver for any one of them to say, I don't know why my sex drive has slowed. Like you say, maybe I've become complacent. Maybe I've fallen into a rut. Maybe I've allowed myself to, you know, stop putting effort into the relationship. At least that would be honest. There is a normal ebb and flow of your sexuality in a relationship. Any relationship that's gone on for a few years or more, of course there's a decrease. There's an incredible decrease. I mean, when Mew and I were together, there was definitely a trail off of the amount of gur and sexuality. A lot of that was because of stress and her studying for med school, me and all my stresses in my life. And of course, when there's a lot of other things going on, that sexuality does not stay as high a priority for some people because they're in defensive mode. They're in fight or flight. They're trying to navigate other parts of their life. And even just the normal ebb and flow of sexuality, even if things are stable, they can you know, go up and down a little bit. But ultimately, there has to be an addressing of this. If you're going to be in a relationship, if you're going to be in a relationship with somebody, I mean, there is like, even if I'm not feeling sexual, if Mew's horny, there's been plenty of nights where Mew was horny and wanted to come during bed. And she's like, can you finger me? Well, yes, I can. I, I that, that doesn't that doesn't take a boner. Exactly. I can play. I can play with you. I can rub your legs. I can tell you you're beautiful, and I can finger you, and you can masturbate, and you can come. So there's still. I mean, there's there's certain things that you can still do with your partners, even if you're not maybe as heightened. And usually, you end up getting kind of into it, you mm-hmm. know, because it's fun and and whatever. But the idea that three people all of a sudden just were hot, and then now all of them are not. Oh yeah. There's got there's gotta be something else there. I know. And you know what the other thing that bothered me a lot is when she says it's I know it's just my issue and my problem to fix. And I thought, you know what? It's not just your issue, and it is part of their problem to fix. You're a member of this dynamic, and there's not of one of them who should be leaving you alone to figure this out for yourself. Don't fucking do that to yourself. And to illustrate my point, I'm gonna turn it around and ask her, how would you feel? If you found out that one of your partners that you love had been seriously struggling with an intimacy issue to the point where they describe themselves as sexually starved, but they decided that they didn't have the right to involve others in their pain, so they instead tried to muscle through it alone. I don't think that you would want someone you love to do that any more than they should want you to do that. Now, you know, maybe I'm being too harsh. I certainly don't know these people and I hope, you know, that if they if they're listening to this that they understand that I'm I'm only getting a bit upset here because I I don't like the one-sided nature of what I'm hearing. I don't like the way she feels that she needs to isolate herself like she's a leper for having a high sex drive and fix this problem all on her own. I mean, if I'm doing this people a disservice, I apologize, but this is something everyone in that relationship needs to be involved with and every one of them needs to shine a brutal light on their own behavior because if sex was plentiful at the beginning then we don't value sex as high of a priority as you do is fucking bullshit yeah 
Little dog bark. I'm I'm excited about this this topic because there are a lot of people that go through sexual ups and downs in their relationship. And like you've said eloquently, stop making it all about you. This is a relationship problem. Ultimately, if this can't be worked out, then there's nothing wrong. You can still keep all the love and support from these people and just seek another relationship that actually gratifies what you need. Right. I don't know. Well, I hope that helped. It helped. I hope it helps. Even though I, I know that you and I tend to get all angry, you know, and on behalf of our, our right. listeners who write in, and and you know, I, sometimes when I'm I'm writing down my notes, I cringe, thinking, "What if I'm totally doing these people a disservice?" And it's not like and, that. At or all. what if we're but, wrong? You know, because we don't know. I mean, and that's the other thing that I kind of was like hinting at, like maybe. They're just kind of saying, oh, no, we still find you sexy. But maybe you've taken on some personalities or traits. Like for me, it was anger. You know, like when I'm really in a bad, ragey place, nobody wants to fuck me, you know, because I have issues I'm dealing with that make me not sexy. Right. So either way, you got to find out what they mean by that. You know, is it something I'm doing? You know, is it am I are there personalities that I now have for whatever reason that um are making me uh not stimulate you anymore? Cuz if you go and tease and work and do your sexy dance, that should work. Uh, yeah, like like you said, even with two people, it could the the amount of things that it could be are en- almost endless. And with four people, my god, it could be any number of things. Each one of them could have their own issues, but if you leave it like that and think it's only your problem to solve and you don't discuss it with them or bring them into it, what kind of polyamory is that? That's the defunct kind where you're trying to do it yourself and you're not giving them the respect to help you. And I and I mean I use those words very precisely because it is a little disrespectful to not involve your poly family into something that is seriously harming you because no you people don't use the word sexually starved lightly Th- those yeah. are very that's a very strong phrase to consider yourself sexually starved you need that intimacy you need that touch and you've got three pe- two people in your life or was it three people in your life who aren't giving it to you you guys need to sit down and stop stop talk and everybody needs to weigh in and admit to their role in what's going on so i hope hope that helps damn straight kathy this is called polyamory not solo and marie <laughs> oh my there you go making up words again solo I did, i've literally been waiting like 11 minutes to slip that in there <laughs> did you write polyamory it this, oh that's that's gold a, i gotta use that's that. gold that's fucking good <laughs> shit so it's ain't solo amory <laughs> it's hard to pronounce though but you get it I get it. Perverted podcast listener segue. You're the magic star here, <laughs> Solaris. That's the important thing for everyone to know in perverted podcast land that you are a shining star. <laughs> Do you feel shiny? Sure, I feel very shiny. <laughs> That's what, shiny like sheen, shiny like you just lotioned up your body, shiny, or you know, shiny like internal. 
motivated internal internal motivated shiny (laughs) ah it's splendid that is very very splendid there was one thing that we left out when we were talking last time which was actually a discussion that i thought was going to be amazing and that is about your i don't know we would call it the never-ending quest of solaris's bisexuality perhaps (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I identify more as pansexual now at this point. Um, when I first uh, kind of came into the community and was learning about, you know, the different types of sexualities that people could have, um, pansexual was the one that resonated the most with me because for me, it's kind of about the person, not necessarily what's in the external packaging. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I also am the type of dominant that doesn't like connection with the bottom. So, of course, <laughs> I, I'm attracted to, you know, pretty people and, you know, people that just have these really cool personalities. And it, it never really mattered what was on the outside, except for the fact that when I look back into my younger years, I've always been attracted to women. Women were the first images that I saw that I was attracted to. I never really was super attracted to male photos. It was always women. I loved women. I can't blame you. I just can't blame you on that. They're pretty. (laughs) They're nice to look at. (laughs) They're really nice to look at. And over time, I've wanted to play with women. I've had the opportunity to play with several women, but I've never really been in any sort of long-term play partnership or relationship with a woman. I happened to marry a man who's queer um, and also pansexual. So that makes it a little bit easier. Also polyamorous, which makes, uh, you know, my quest, my never ending quest easier. Um, But it's, it's been a journey. So now what, what is interesting about this? Everything that you're talking about is like, Oh, okay. Okay. I, I get that. I understand that. But the reality is, is you still have yet to have sex with a woman. Correct. Yeah. So this has been, how long has this, so this has been your fantasy uh, or part of your fantasy life since you were very young. You've had many, many opportunities. Not many opportunities. That's the thing is, did I allow for the space for the opportunities to happen? Was mm. I naive? What were girls picking up on me? And I was naive when I was first in the lifestyle. No, um, right. I haven't actually felt like I've had a lot of opportunity. Um, quite frankly, people lovingly um, call me the queen. I can seem very strict if I'm just sitting down. I guess I have resting bitch face. Um, I can seem very cold, uh, very off-putting as a person, um, which people they get scared until they get to know me because that's not really who I am as a person I'm kind of goofy but um, I guess just my presence in general has caused people to not try to interact with me and I do think that that has something to do with the fact that or the that is one of the reasons why I have not found uh, long-term play partnerships on my own with women now I've been set up several times uh, for play with women in the lifestyle, and it's been fantastic. It's been phenomenal. It's a, it's a different type of energy than playing with a um, a male identifying bottom. But you haven't you haven't committed sexually Correct. with a woman, and I know I'm I'm obsessing about the sexual, but there's there's a point to that. So you've had you've had 
play scenes with lots of women or, or a number of women, there is a possibility that they wanted you, but you didn't you didn't pick up on the cues if there were cues there. And now you're at this place, which is interesting to me because knowing you as the dominance from my kind of ignorant point of view, I'd be like, well, just go ask someone to play with your pussy, you know, because you're the you're the dom. But it's not always how that works. It's not always it's not always like, a oh, because I'm dominant, that means I'm going to automatically be the, the predator. That's the thing is in terms of starting relationships over many years, I have become even more shy than I was in the beginning. Right. Um, I I was the girl in high school who crushed on the nerds and told them that I had crushes on them. And then had my heart broken because nobody liked me. Um, And so I was the person that was slightly different. Like literally everybody. Literally everybody was different when they, you know, everybody has had rejection and stuff like that. It just, it hit me very hard when I was young. Um, I also was in an abusive relationship for about three and a half years between the age of 16 and like 19. So that does something to you. And it, one of the reasons why I entered the lifestyle in the first place and that I was drawn to it because I wasn't an individual that ever knew about it or thought about it when I was young. Um, I was exposed to it at the age of 21 going to club dungeon. Um, the reason why I was so attracted to it was that I could be the one that could be in control after coming out of this abusive relationship where I was not the one that was in control. And, um, I could be the one to dictate every single thing that could happen. And I didn't have to let anything happen to me. Right. And when, when you have sexual relationships with people, a lot of times they want, you know, the reciprocation, they want to be able to do to you what you do to them. And I just have never really been in a place where that's been okay. I've had disabilities, as you know, I mean, we talked about on your show off and on pretty bad for several years that caused me to lose a lot of weight and a lot of muscle mass and just feel like crap all the time. And so when you're not feeling super sexy about yourself, it's kind of hard to go off and try and find somebody that you want to be sexy with. Sure. So now, okay, I'm trying to get all this data together. Yes. I'm trying to get all this data. So obviously we have some pre-programmed rejection issues, which is pretty, pretty common among the human folks because it hurts to get rejected. Um, And then some of our rejections, actually, we need to actually walk through those individual rejections so we can find out what the core of, of that rejection was. And that's, that's also something that's very normal in recovery from bad relationships. So we're now at this point to where I'm trying to get, the reciprocation part. So you're saying you want to just tell a girl, Hey, lick my pussy, but I'm not doing anything to you. No, it's actually the opposite. So one of the other things that you have to take into consideration, I mean, I, you know, I have a lot of different disabilities, some of them incredibly rare, just diagnosed with another one. Super fun. Um, One of the things that I have been struggling with most out of the past 10 years or so is OCD. And obsessive compulsive disorder is absolutely no joke. Um, 
and it can significantly affect your relationships in your life. Having OCD makes it very hard for me to actually want to do stuff. Well, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's that my OCD brain is telling me that if I have a sexual relationship with somebody, there is a possibility that I could get sick or I could make that person sick. And therefore, that is one of the largest reasons why I haven't pushed forward with any sort of sexual relationship with a woman. That's truly the number one reason. Well, that makes absolute sense. That of course that makes absolute sense because when you're in pain, adding more pain on top of pain for the hope that something will be great um, is usually not as attractive as when you're uh, young and indestructible and immortal and you're like ah I'll just shake it off. So that definitely so that definitely understands. I think the overall point that I'm trying to make because to me this is. It, it's similar in some ways, you know, because I had a lot of rejection and then I went through these things and shy and powerless and and then powerful and not knowing where, you know. So my journey has similarities to your journey. But what is the most important for me kind of as a lesson is that everyone's journey gets to be different. And there are so many different dynamics that if you don't explore those things with the people that you're communicating with, Like I had 17 presumptions about why you haven't had sex with a woman when we started this interview right now, about 17, all of them were wrong. (laughs) All of them. I didn't think about you being sick and not wanting to get sick. I didn't think about the past. uh, And I've known you for years. So I know about your past relationships a little bit and the rejection and things like that. But that didn't come into play. So there's always things that you think you may know about like, well, why haven't you just fixed this? You know, why haven't you just done this? And so many people and I have been towards myself. Why don't you just fix this? Because there's a process to so many things. And even though, yes, it may once you get through all those things and take those challenges and, and navigate those obstacles, yes, at the end, there is intimacy and love and power and freedom, but everyone has a different way of getting there. And that kind of needs to be respected when you start to engage with somebody. That's the thing is, you know, we all have our individual journeys. And unfortunately, my journey included a giant detour into uh, sickness land for a while. I I am much better now than I was even two years ago. Um, And it's time. (laughs) I mean, obviously, right now, COVID, it's slightly more difficult. But it is time because I'm not getting any younger. I'm starting to see the age on my face, which is really pissing me off. And, (laughs) you know, I I want to be young and cute forever, but that's not going to happen. And I need to be able to utilize the body that I have and the energy that I have now in order to kind of forge relationships. Which is one of the reasons why my husband and I went to therapy, because we wanted to be able to incorporate um, polyamory into our relationship in a healthy way. Um, We worked with a very great therapist here in Los Angeles. And um, in working with her and a couple other therapists over the years, you know, yeah, things have gotten better, but there's still there's still that little bit of hookup and there's still that shyness that I have towards girls. I, because I, I, I grew up in a very Mormon family. 
Um, I grew up in the Mormon church. I was baptized LDS um, when I was nine years old and uh, stopped going to church around the age of maybe 12 or 13. Right. And um, my my family, very Mormon, a lot of them. And you see and you model, and it's very easy to model after the classic relationship of male to female, cis male, cis female. And I was never taught to see any other sort of relationship. You're not taught like the different dynamics in other relationships. And so throughout many years, I've had to learn that from a lot of people in the lifestyle because relationships can be completely different than what I was told. Fortunately, definitely there's more variety that the, the Mormons aren't telling the kids. There's definitely, there's definitely more options but they do have family night. Did you guys have family night as Mormons? Uh, occasionally. That's Occasion. the thing is we were like super Mormon for a short time period when my dad was very involved in the church. My dad actually got my mom to go back because my mom grew up Mormon. She went to BYU. Like she's wow. super, super Mormon. And he actually super got her to Mormon. go back to church. Yeah, super Mormon. <laughs> um, and once my dad kind of started to fall away from the church, that's when um, I fell away from the church because... I kind of saw how they treated my dad and how kind of mean they were to him because he was a smoker and he, he right. was the boy scout master and they didn't like that and they treated him very poorly. Well, and so that was when it was kind of like, mm, this church may not be the best thing. And then over the years and after meeting my husband and you know speaking more to the atheist community i've i'm now an exmo is what they call me i have had all my records removed from the mormon church i'm no longer mormon associated with the mormon church even though all of my family is still associated right 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 well i mean which is another because there's a lot of people that are listening that have those strong religious backgrounds where there was so much programming that literally was just shitty programming. It was just judgmental, guilt, shame, do it our way, otherwise there are spiritual consequences and there's social consequences inside the church. And that really can create a lot of long-term obstacles, even once you get away. I mean, you got away from the church a long time ago. I got away from the church 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And you still have things that affect you to this day because that was your programming. And it's and it's exceptional to be in this lifestyle where we have so many different people from so many different points of view. And we get to hear all the different ways to deal with it. Yeah, it's been fantastic to be able to be in the community and be able to talk to other people who understand because most people in the community are going through the same thing that I'm going through. You're coming from this vanilla world into this rainbow of color, you know, kink community. And it it's shocking, but at the same time, very enlightening because you're able to really have these conversations with people um, that you know, like, like this conversation that we're having, that it's, you know, difficult. I feel like it's very difficult for me to open myself up to have this relationship that I've been thinking about, you know, since I was very young, even before I knew what BDSM was. Right. Well, Solaris, as a pig, <laughs> I hope you get the vagina that you need. 
as as a pig in the lifestyle, I hope you are able to navigate whatever you need to navigate to get to that place of of having the thing that you desire because you deserve that. Well, I appreciate that. Solaris, look forward to having you back again on the show as soon as we can. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. And we're going to get back to the show. Tell us we're swell. Tell us to go to hell. Just tell us fucking something on perverted mail. Um, box. So I have two emails to go over. We had a couple of great listeners write to us. Brack, which has an accent over the A, makes me think that it's something from the Netherlands or something. But I couldn't help but when I said it out loud, I went Brack, and it sounded like I was eating. What? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? I don't know. You bark at your guy when he fucks you? You make grunt noises? <laughs> you wretch people's European names? It's horrible. This is why people don't write. Because I make fun of their name and I don't I don't even intend to. I don't know how it happens. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry to you, Brack, because I, I really enjoyed your email. Anyway, this person says, Good evening. I just want to tell you that I adore your show and I think it has made me a healthier wiser, happier young woman, and kinkier for sure. She says, my week will be full of anticipation since I will be trying out new stuff with a new partner I met. I'm so excited. Can't think of anything else. This new, and this is to you, Boogie, this part. Uh This new partner and I talk about you and your show all the time. We think of you as our kink therapist. Oh, look at that. All right. I have one final email Shayla wrote to us. This is going to be good. She says, hey, Boogie and Kathy, I had a dream last night and you both and Bunny and Mew and Dell and Enigma were all there. We were at a party party and Kathy was showing me around the dungeon. And then I saw Mew and Bunny and was like, drool, they're hot. Let's do something. (laughs) So Boogie topped me with fire because in the movie S&M Sally, Boogie was doing fire and that scene Ah. was burned into my brain. (laughs) While Bunny and Mew played a sexy scene for the three of us orchestrated by Boogie. There were cupcakes involved, and after we're fire, Dell and Enigma asked me to dance for them while Boogie, Mew, and Bunny finished the setup. So I gave Kathy a lap dance, and Dell gave me $100, and Enigma made it rain. The end. <laughs> and by the way, I never did get to the sex scene because my alarm went off. Ah, oh, that's so sad! <laughs> I was just about to say, I want to go to that dungeon! Me too! That I want to get a lap like, dance! I want <laughs> I like cupcakes. Cupcakes, a laptop, and, and Enigma gave her a hundred bucks. No, Dell Del gave her a hundred bucks yeah. and Enigma, Enigma made, made it, it rain. rain. <laughs> Just watch this. This is what I do. It's a little trick I learned in Texas. Rain. This is that why sounds like uh, we got that button made that said an earworm in every episode because we get into people's brains boogie and then they dream about that is amazing and it wasn't like a fucked up dream that sounds like an absolutely wonderful dream oh it's lovely like an absolutely cupcakes and mew and bunny and shenanigans and god damn i miss having a dungeon (laughs) i know it's i I, I just this thing has to be over soon i I think i'm gonna go insane 
Her dream dungeon is like making us drool. I know. <laughs> you want to go to your dream dungeon? Just can we? I have the, I have some party passes left over. I can get in. We're we're never gonna be able to use those party passes. I'll, cl- I'll clean. I'm a janitor. I can do it. I'll work yeah, on your yeah, toilets. Yeah. Ah, it's funny. That's actually amazing. That is it amazing. Was. And all the fucked up shit that I do inside of people's head. It's nice every now and again to just give a nice. Dream Boogie's usually like a dick. Like Mew would have dreams, and she's been, you know, and Bunny would have dreams, and they just when they wake up, I know just by the look on their face, and I'm like, "What did I do?" <laughs> and they're like, "Well, you did this thing, and then you acted like a complete ass when you could have just like been nice." And I'm like, "Dream Boogie's kind of a dick." I get it. You, you know, it's never good when. You can't differentiate between real life and dream boogie because they're one in the same. Wait a minute. Uh-oh. What exactly what? are you trying to I... say? Oops, I did What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we had cupcakes and a lap dance and we were happy. And then Kathy had to go all dark and mean. <laughs> I hope you're satisfied, Catherine. I am. Whenever you use my my full uh, first name, I get scared. <laughs> You're in trouble. God, you're having an aneurysm over there. Giraffe out. <laughs> it was that good. That is show <laughs> two ninety five. <laughs> Just like just nose in the air, with an attitude going giraffe out. <laughs> just clunk 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 clunk, buckling knees, door slams. All right, if you have questions, comments, or ideas, please email us at perverted at gmail You can also swing by our Fet Life group page and give us a shout out there. There's always a tremendous amount of love to our Patreon supporters and indeed to all of our listeners. As always, if you think this is show brings value into your lives, consider becoming a supporter by visiting patreon.com forward slash perverted podcast. Kathy, uh, another wonderful experience to be with you discussing all of these things that some people just won't discuss. And that's okay. You don't have to all be evangelists out there in perverted podcast land. Let Kathy and I throw our lives away by saying all this crazy, heinous shit that would literally make it so we could never, ever, ever get a normal job ever again. All for you. uh, All for you. All for all fucking three of you. But we do it because it is important for us to have these conversations. If somebody doesn't talk openly about this, it will never become normalized. People will never ask real questions and they will just keep judging and people will suffer because of it. So thank you so much to the people that support this show. The people that listen to the show, Headley, our amazing show sponsor, our patrons. It is. It is so important for us to be able to talk and joke and laugh about these things because people are listening. Maybe not as many as we'd like, but people are listening and it does help people feel better about themselves and their thoughts and feelings that we can do crazy, dark, fucked up things 
as long as we use our ethics and we think about the best for our partners. Love you guys. Can't wait to come back for next week because it's going to be fucking magical. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> Pookie the beluga whale had a problem Was a child actor but now's an alcoholic Total spoiled brat but now he's on the skids Drinking stolen rum from sunken pirate ships The bottom of the glacier Looks better from the top When you shit on those who love you no one's sad when you fall off. Pookie called his agent screaming like a diva. Why haven't you gotten me work? I was America's fucking sweetheart. The only gig he got was a celebrity boxing contest. Showed up really drunk and got his ass kicked by a walrus. The bottom of the glacier Looks better from the top When you shit on those who love you No one's sad when you fall off Pookie doesn't get it He's just an aging narcissist The penguins used to love him but now they pretend he doesn't exist. Pookie the beluga whale hit a new low for boozy. Let the Eskimos have sex with his blowhole. Ew, ew, ew. Fucking ew, ew. Ew, Eskimo, Amber Gris. Ew! The bottom of the glacier. Looks better from the top Now I'm not so cute When you shit on those who love you better than you Y'all get a thrill when you fall off Hey, hey! Pookie swam away Pookie swam away Pookie swam away